0: Uh, a good thing. I hope you've had a good weekend. I was blessed. Um, Hardin County's band came down to Russellville last night to compete in our band contest, and so I was excited. I got to see the band perform. Uh, they won lots of awards. The uh, Actually, the parents won an award also, and so that was a great evening. I was very excited by that. And glad you're here today. I hope you're looking forward to next weekend. I hope you're looking forward to the activities this afternoon, whether they be going to the outing or being here at 6 o'clock, and then even Wednesday evening, midweek Bible study. You know, sometimes we will make the case about the power of Sunday night and the power of Wednesday night, and I will say this, with an interview coming up next weekend... Uh, One great way to make a great impression on somebody who's interviewing, and an interview implies the idea that you all are making an impression on him while he's trying to make an impression on you. A strong Sunday night makes a huge impression on somebody who's here to interview. I want to share something that a friend of mine wrote in that regard. Because sometimes as preachers, we don't promote the other services maybe in the right kind of way or maybe with the right kind of spirit. And a friend of mine, Randy Davis, he preaches over in Tullahoma, Tennessee. And a couple of weeks ago on a Wednesday night, he posted this promoting their Wednesday night Bible study. And I think he did an excellent job of capturing the, uh, the essence of what it really ought to be about. He said, it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. You don't have to be there. That, that is at our gathering at 7 p.m. at Wilson Avenue. It never was or should have been about law... It's about love. No, I'm not questioning your love for God. That's not the focus. I'm talking about God's love. Soak in it. Celebrate it. Be lifted up in it. Share in it. Share it. Anticipate it like a couple looking forward to that date night. Save this date tonight. Gather with others so loved who are growing in the reality that God so loves Growing in loving their Lord and loving each other and others. And then he talks about what they're going to be studying. Then he says, tonight is not simply a midweek Bible study, but about the Holy Spirit filling, leading, and pouring God's love in in our hearts. Tonight is not, should not be routine. It's about relationships. And then he says, visit us, join us, and he gives the address. I think he does a really good job of promoting why it's good for the church family uh, to be together. And I realize sometimes uh, health doesn't allow it or schedule or distance or whatever, Uh, but if there's any way possible, I hope you'll take every opportunity to be gathered with the family here at Savannah. Well, that's enough about that. We want to jump back into the story. And as you remember, last week we we talked about God creating. and, And we talked about the idea that as God created, one of the things that was very important to Him right off the top, as He created man, He wanted to be in relationship with man. He created a scenario whereby that could happen. But He left man with the freedom to make a choice. And the the choice made by Adam and Eve was to declare independence, to walk their own way. And so that relationship was broken. And so from there, God began the process of, of planning for there to be a way back. And through that, He continued to love and He continued to show His grace. And so as we arrive in Genesis 12 today, what we find is God choosing, God selecting a new first family. Uh, a great relationship that's going to begin with a, with a person. We're going to talk about Abraham, and we're going to talk about his wife Sarah, and I'm probably just going to do Abraham and Sarah, even though there was a name change along the way. Abram. Um, he ends up going from exalted father to a name that means the father of multitudes. But with them, when you think about Abraham, if you've got to think about one word that goes with him, isn't the word faith? The one that you think of. When you think of Abraham, and I think of Hebrews 11, verse 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, uh, the conviction of things not seen, it's belief, it's trust, it's reliance upon God. And when you think Abraham, faith is the word, I believe, that associates very well with him. And so let's think a little bit about God choosing Abraham and and his wife Sarah. It's a choice of, you could make the case he's an ordinary guy, but in one sense he's not an ordinary guy. He's going to be chosen at 75 years old. 75 years old without a family, and God is going to choose him, and God is going to make a a great promise to him. Notice God in Genesis 12, verse 1, uh, and then we'll read verses 4 and 5. The Bible says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country, and from your relatives, and from your father's house, to the land that I will show you. And then verse four says, So Abram went forth, as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Now Abram seventy-five years old departed from him. Abram took Sarai his wife and his lot nephew and all of their possessions which they had accumulated and the person Acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. Thus they came to the land of Canaan. I believe there is significance that our first recorded word from God to Abram, to Abraham, the first recorded word, it's an action word. The word is go. Uh, Go out, some translations say. Leave. And I want you to walk away from your country. I want, I want you to walk away from your extended family. I want you to walk away from your father's house. In other words, I want you to step out of your comfort zone. I want you to step away from everything that's familiar to you, that's comfortable to you. And, and oh, by the way, yes, I see that you're 65 years old as I'm asking you this. See, in our class this morning, you know, I asked people you know, how many would want to pick up and move right now. Nobody loves the idea usually of packing boxes and having to change locations. It's work, and it's painful, and it's stressful. But here's Abram, 75 years old, and that's what he's being called to do. And with that comes this big promise. Notice uh, verse 2 of Genesis 12. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. You know, what can provide the courage for somebody to get a word from God and to actually pick up and to follow through to say yes to the idea of moving? Could it be anything other than the great promise? The idea that I'll make you a great nation, and I'm going to bless you, and wow. And thankfully, Abraham and his wife Sarah, they believe enough to follow through and to go. I mean, they don't have any kids, and you know, how's God going to bless us that way? Well, God is going to do that, and Genesis 15, a son is again promised, and uh, his name is changed in Genesis chapter 17. In Genesis 21, that son is finally born, and there are a lot of things that happen along the way. We can't talk about everything that happens in his life, but that son, that son of promise, a hundred years old, and you're having a child... That happens in Genesis 21. And it's interesting because if you think about God choosing somebody to work through, uh, do you think people had to understand that it was God when a 99-year-old couple is having a child? then God calls Abraham to do something that in our minds in our in our regard it, it, it might seem kind of crazy Genesis chapter 22 it's one of those stories that we've been studying since we were children but but Abraham has this child and some of the scholars say this child you may have seen the depiction as we were singing the Abraham song some figure about 15 years old when God says, okay, what I want you to do is I want you to take this child that I've blessed you with, and I want you to take him up on the mountain, and I want you to worship there, and the worship there is going to be that you sacrifice this child to me. That sounds horrendous. And yet Abraham embraces this idea, this, this idea. in fact, on the way up, you know young Isaac, he's like, "Well, Dad, you know, we, we don't have what are we going to offer?" And Abraham says, "Well, the Lord's going to provide in that." And so Abraham follows through, or he is following through. In fact, in Hebrews 11, the idea it's in the past tense. Hebrews 11 says he offered up his son, and we're going to talk about that. But in Genesis 22, after the angel of the Lord has stopped that knife from coming down, in Genesis chapter 22, verse 16, the Bible says this, Then the angel of the Lord, this is verse 15, called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you've done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. In other words, the the one thing that that I've given, you that, that you might value more than anything else. You're, you were willing to give that back to me. Indeed, I will greatly bless you, and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your seed shall possess the gate of, your, of their enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. You know, in our way of looking at things... We want to know why. You know, God, why in the world would you need to test Abraham that way? Over in Hebrews chapter 4, you may remember the words that we sometimes use, for the word of the Lord of God is, the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. My point is, when you read Hebrews chapter 4, you understand God is all-knowing. God knows Abraham's heart. God knows whether or not Abraham has the faith to actually follow through and offer up his son. And so as we ask the question, why, why would God need to test Abraham in that way? Do you think it's possible? That maybe Abraham needed to understand whether or not his faith was strong? Do you think it's possible that Abraham needed to know whether or not Abraham actually had faith? Because sometimes it will happen to us. We'll see someone, something bad happens, and we see a friend or a loved one. We see them walk through a valley. And we may even say out loud, that's hard, that's difficult, I hope I never have to go through that, I'm not sure that my faith would be intact if I had to go through that. Well, see, God takes Abraham through it. As an so now Abraham knows that Abraham has faith. God set it up so that Abraham could find out. And because of this faith, when you get over to Hebrews chapter 11 where Scott read from a few minutes ago, you see Abraham and his wife Sarah being remembered in a very, very positive way. Now, God wanted His people to remember Abraham. In fact, there was a time where the Jews were so caught up in being descendants of Abraham, they were so caught up in who they were as the descendants of Abraham, they couldn't really, in a lot of cases, get a hold of the idea that Jesus was calling them to something even better. But the author of Hebrews, he wanted us today also, not just original audience, but he wanted us today to understand and remember Abraham's faith story. And why that's important. I'm sure you noticed this week in reading chapter 2 of the story, as you were reading, you noticed that you were reading text out of Genesis and then intermixed with that was the text directly out of Hebrews chapter 11. It does a really good job of putting all of that together. And, and there's great significance in the idea that all the way over in the New Testament, as Jesus' followers are being called to lives of faith, Abraham and Sarah are two people who are used... As examples, because in them we see an active faith. Notice Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. The emphasis there is on by faith, he's actively going. I'm amazed by. The mindset of great explorers, you think of the story of a guy like Christopher Columbus and he heads out, you know, kind of knowing where he thinks he's going to end up and where he hopes he's going to end up, but not really knowing. See, that, that, that courage and that, that vision to be able to go when you don't really know, maybe I admire that a lot because I'm not really wired that way, the way maybe I ought to be. I kind of like to know where I'm going to be. We talked about that last Sunday night. Because for us, if God came to us and said go, I can see us having some questions in 2015. We might want to say, well, why me? Why did you choose me to go? Why not choose somebody else? Why not choose somebody else that's better suited than me? You know, and where exactly do you want me to go? And how long is this going to take? And what's this going to cost me? And what if I get partway there and I realize that this isn't for me? Can I, can I go back on this? Do I, You know, we would have questions. I'm sure We would. And I'm thankful that we're not called to lives as Christians of what you might term blind faith. Now, Second Corinthians 5, verse 7, uh, the Bible there says that, that we walk by faith and not by sight. Sometimes we do have to have faith and we don't see everything that we'd like to see but thankfully we're not walking by blind faith in fact I would submit to you that we've got a better view than guys like Abraham had guys like others in Hebrews 11 men and women had the idea that we've got the revealed will of God and we've been told how it's going to end and we see what happened with Jesus and we understand what he went through and we see how God has designed the story to bless us Notice what it goes on to say about Abraham and his faith. Notice verse 9. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. See, sometimes we struggle with the idea of being strange place or feeling out of place. Some, we, we don't like that feeling. makes us very nervous. makes us very uncomfortable. But somehow Abraham has embraced this idea that I'm living in a land, but, but it's, you know, I, I'm not really in place. I'm out of place in this land. I wonder sometimes in 2015 if even though we're 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 called to live as sojourners and we're we're called to live as people who realize we're not home yet I wonder sometimes if we don't try to fit in with our culture just a little bit too much one of the things as we study First Peter on, on Sunday nights right now is, is there is a reminder in First Peter that God expects that same kind of mindset from us today that we see in Abraham, the idea that we are sojourners and that we are not home and we're in, this isn't where we belong. And notice that even then, it's talking about Abraham. When you think about how God connects the lower story with the upper story, what He's trying to accomplish through people. Uh, Notice verse 10 of Hebrews 11. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. He lives as an alien. Uh, By faith he's able to conceive because he considered God faithful. That's verses 11 and 12 of of Hebrews 11. The idea that even though some things go on, Sarah ends up having that child and she has enough faith in God. And and then the faith that we already talked about to offer that son back. And verse 17 says, By faith, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. Now, uh, the death didn't come, but it was... God counted that as having happened because Abram, he was doing that. And so to sum up their faith, it was an active and an obedient faith. And because of their active and obedient faith, God uses them as His new first family. They're going to have Isaac, and you read about that. And even though Isaac's family ends up being highly dysfunctional, you know, Jacob becomes key in this lineage under which God's story is going to continue. And what I would leave us with today is that remembering them and then thinking about our story, it ought to motivate us to live lives of obedient faith. Active, obedient faith. Because the last thing I want to ask today as we finish up is the question that, you know, if if we're thinking in terms of our lives today and the stories that we're creating as we live here, we remember Abraham and we remember Sarah in a very positive way. And the question is, how are you going to be remembered? Remembered? How am I going to re- be remembered? I mean, for most of us, our lives are not being written down. They're not being documented in such a way that they're going to end up in a book that people are going to go back and study later on as history. Yet if God were going to do a write-up on you, what would it say? You know, Would God be able to write about your life that, that this life was lived with active and obedient faith? One of the things I love about this, we didn't get into this, and we'll mention it briefly, one of the great things about Abraham and Sarah, and I know you realize this... It ought to be encouraging to know that faithful never, unless you're talking about Jesus, faithful never means perfect and it never means sin free. Because even as we talked about some of the things that went on in their lives, you may have already been thinking, but, but, but what about when he lied? What about when he was deceptive? What about when he didn't have enough faith in God to believe that God could take care of him even if he told the truth about who his wife really was? And then what about that, that, that changing God's plan thing? There's this reminder in, this, in Abraham's life of how powerful a spouse is. The idea that Sarah would be, you know, God promised this, but it really hasn't happened yet. And so the Bible says that she goes in there and starts this conversation with Abraham. You know, maybe, maybe you ought to go in here to this handmaiden of mine. Now, in some ways that was more common then, yet that, you know, the, Abraham is 75 years old when he's called, and this evidently hasn't happened yet because he has no children. He's trying to follow God, and she... I wonder how that conversation went. Baby, what are you asking me to do? Uh, let me think. Okay, I mean, that's how powerful women are. Even when we're trying to follow God, the person that you're married to has has great power in whether or not you're going to follow God or not. And it happens, and it can work both ways, but let me just say this. When we're thinking about our relationships for those of us who are married, we need to remember that as we try to influence each other... our influence always needs to try to be to to elevate our walk with God and never to dissuade the person that we're married to in their walk with God because that's essentially what Sarah does she takes Abraham down a path that that God didn't really want him to go and he listens to her over God it's not perfect And isn't it amazing that through their imperfections, one of the reminders to us today is that even through their imperfections, we see God's grace and we see God's mercy and we see the idea that because they continue to follow God, in the end, when you get to Hebrews 11, they are reckoned as people of faith. And that's that's good news because... You know, I make missteps and I don't always make the right choices and I'm trying to follow God, but I'm human and I I have my mistakes and all those sorts of things. And so when we ask that question, how will you be remembered, we can know that yes, I may make some mistakes along the way, but if I stay with it, I can be counted as faithful. And so again, even though our lives won't end up maybe in a history book, I do believe that how will you be remembered question is worthy of us asking. So let's get it down to the place where maybe it really makes an impact. How will you be remembered by the people you influence the most? By the person you're married to. If you're married today, the person that you're married to, will they remember you as a person of faith? And then, if you've been blessed to have children... How will your children remember you? You, you know, we, we we can't fool our kids. And when they look at our lives, will they remember us as being people of faith? But because if my faith is just something that happens for a little while on Sunday morning, they see right through that I can't fool them. And then as we do life in the community, because we're helping one another go to heaven, but the other idea is as we live life, hopefully we're shining this light... Those people that I work with, my coworkers, will those people remember me as a person of faith? Because when you think about it, if you work 40 hours a week or more somewhere, you may well be spending as much awake time with those coworkers as you spend with your family. And will those people remember you as a person of faith? And then also your church family, the family of God here at Savannah. When it's all said and done and and you've passed from this life, will the people that were your family here, will they remember you as being a person of faith? What could God write down about you? If you're young this morning, one of the young folks, I would encourage you today, even though it looks like there's a lot of life in front of you, to remember that now is the right time to begin building that resume of faith. Start on it now. The other question that I want to ask before Bradley leads us in trust and obey, is there something? Is there an area of service? Is there something that maybe God is calling you to today? Maybe an area of service that you're not involved in. A a way you can help this congregation. Maybe it's somebody that needs to be reached out to. Is there something that God is calling you today? Is He saying go? And if He's saying go, what kind of answer are you giving Him? I had lunch with one of our students this past week. His name is Lucas, and he's a young married guy. And he's not really a career transition. He started school. He thought he wanted to be a business major. And he got very involved in his congregation. And his heart kind of turned toward ministry. And so he, he made a change midstream in his education. And so right before the semester started, he went on his first mission trip outside the country. And as I was asking about his experience and asking him about that trip, um, he he made this confession. He said, I really didn't want to go. He said, it was one of those where I knew I should go, but I didn't really want to go. He, he, he says, I'm a picky eater. And he said, I knew we were going into a place where I really wasn't going to like a lot of the food. And so I knew that was going to be a struggle for me. And this guy's already a thin guy. He needs to eat. You know, he, doesn't, he can't afford to miss a lot of meals. But he, he went and while he was there, they met a guy who was deaf. And the interesting thing about Lucas and what I did not know about him until I ate lunch with him the other day, turns out both of his parents are deaf. And so he grew up having to understand how to sign. He's known that forever simply because that's how he communicates with his parents. And so he got involved in a conversation with this man who was deaf. And as that conversation unfolded, he he said it came to me. He said, I knew why I was on this trip. I knew why I was here. Because through their interaction and through the gospel, the power of the gospel, that man who could not hear was converted. And was the only guy on that trip who could sign. It's this idea of God maybe calling you to something, but 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 you know you, you gotta say yes. Lucas didn't have to go on that trip, but he went. And in the end he was glad that he did. God is calling each and every one of us today to an act of faith. He's calling us to lives of obedience. the question is, have you been obedient to Him? If you're a Christian today, if there's something that, that God is calling you to, embrace that challenge. If your walk of faith hasn't been what it needs to be and you need to confess that and you need us to pray with you and for you, shepherds are ready to do that. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian and maybe you're ready to begin your walk of faith. Maybe you're ready to trust in God and to confess Jesus and to obey Him and to be baptized like others have just recently. Maybe you've got questions as you're beginning the story. Maybe there are questions. I hope you'll continue with the study. Maybe there's some questions you'd like to ask today. Ask those. Let us study with you. If you have any need today, let that be known while we stand and while we sing.
1: abides with us still, and with all who will trust and obey, trust and obey, for to trust and obey. But we never can prove the delights of His love until all of Trust and obey, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. sit at his feet, or will walk by his
2: side in the way.
1: What he said Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. We thank you for joining us this morning Uh, to mimic a little bit what Phillips already said. We invite you back tonight at 6 o'clock for our evening worship and Wednesday night at 7. It's been a blessing to worship with you and we hope you have a great afternoon. At this time, we'll close in prayer.
2: Pray with me. Holy God, it, it has been good for us to be here today. Father, we thank you for putting us in a place that we can be reminded of your wonderful story of love for all of us. Father, as we leave this place today, we ask you to help us to to love that old, old story, to commit it to memory, to commit it to our hearts that we may be able to share it with others any way we can, such as we've been reminded that Lucas did. And help us, Father, as we go out this week to to exhibit an active, obedient faith, one that others would long to have that we might share with them. Forgive us, Father, as we leave this place for our weaknesses. And, Father, we can't leave today without thinking about our brother Steve who's in the most dangerous parts of Nigeria. We ask you to be with him and, and guide him as he makes this dangerous journey. Keep him safe and bring him home to us. Be with us fathers we leave this place. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.